You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball Is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, presented by Ball Is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today, we have a very special guest, a non-basketball guest in the building. We have Dalton Reisner of the Denver Broncos. Thanks for joining us, Dalton. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you guys having me on today. Let's chat football, man. Let's mix it up a little bit. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Thanks for taking the time to come on. Um, Zach, is it cold out in Minnesota? Freezing my ass off, man. It's colder than it's ever going to get in Denver. I'll tell you that. It's about 10 degrees right now, and that's trending downwards. (laughs) Cool. So, um, Dalton, man, talk to us. I want to get into a lot. We were just, before we got in to the show, we were talking some Big 12 rivalries. Obviously, you're from Kansas State. Uh, I am an alumni of the University of Texas, and unfortunately, Zach went to KU. So when it comes to football, he may not have uh, a seat at the table. But talk to us a little bit about what life was like at Kansas State, um, both in terms of football and off the field. Yeah, man. You know, coming from where I came from was a small town of Wiggins, Colorado. 17 guys on my football team. Small farm town, man. I used to ride bulls and everything. So I was looking for a good fit you know, a good small fit, um, you know, blue collar program. And that's what Kansas state was. So, you know, when I got to Kansas state being a part of the big 12, man, I was stoked, you know, that's a great conference. Like you said, you know, I got to play Texas. I got to play OU, you know, I got to play some of the big premier schools you watched growing up. Um, and that was a blessing, man. So, you know, life during football and off of football at Kansas state was awesome. You know, Manhattan, Kansas, you know, is a, a huge, you know, city for me coming out of high school for a lot of people you look at that and you're like man that place is small there's nothing out there in kansas for me i'm like dude i'm going to paradise you know they got like a mcdonald's i can walk to at like 2 a.m <laughs> like let's rock um so i love i love manhattan man they welcomed me with open arms i got to play some big schools got to play there for five years so many blessings man uh, very thankful for everyone in that town the fan base is unreal uh great food they all love football and it got to me where i'm at today so i'm, I'm really thankful for kansas state so you got to where you're at today as an offensive lineman, but going back to the roots, I mean, when were you forced to be on the line? I mean, who knows? In the small towns, I've heard some crazy things like guys your size running, running the QB position. I mean, might have even looked at you in Denver a couple of weeks ago, but what <laughs> time, what age period did you transfer over to being an offensive lineman? Well, listen, man, I don't think any kid wakes up, uh, you know, or is born and says, I want to grow up and be an O-lineman, Dad. Um, Unfortunately, that's what no one wants to do. You know, you wake up and you say, I want to be a quarterback. You know, I want to be a running back. I want to make plays. And I killed my dad was my my dad started started the peewee football program here in my hometown of Wiggins. Um, He was high school football coach, middle middle school coach, followed all me and my four brothers. My parents had five boys, kind of followed us all the way up to the top. And I remember begging him during peewees in middle school, just give me a shot, give me a shot. 
so many times um, that he was like, son, like, you're just not a quarterback. You're just not a fullback. I have two <laughs> quick stories for y'all, man, that led to me becoming an offensive lineman. One was in middle school, and we were uh, undefeated. It was my eighth grade year. My dad was my coach, about to be a high school football coach. And I said, I just want to be able to run the ball this year. Let me see what I can do. I'm not lying. First game, I get the ball. I truck somebody. Trucked him. It was great. I kept running. <laughs> Next guy goes at my legs because, I mean, who won it? I'm way bigger than all these kids. Goes up my legs. I fumble it. They get the ball. My dad never let me touch the football again. <laughs> um, that was the end of my career at running back. So I said, you know, a year later, I want to try out, I want to try out QB. So I'm like a sophomore in high school at an at a O-lineman camp. And I got the MVP of the O-lineman camp. It was so cool. I got to go uh, fill in for the last game of seven-on-seven. Seven. We're some small team school. We're playing Valor Christian. It's Christian McCaffrey, if you guys are familiar with him. It's where oh, yeah. he went to school out here in Colorado. So it was 1A team versus 5A team and seven-on-seven. Seven. And he let me, my little brother, we're an old school, we're an old school family. He broke his nose. My dad tried to put it back in place on spot. My mom ripped him, said, no, I'm taking the kid to the hospital. So my dad said, well, I don't have a quarterback. I said, pops, listen, I, I, I've been around this my whole life. Like us alignment, we can do anything. So I threw a pick six the first play and I never got to touch the ball again. Uh, so I found my spot pretty quick, man. I belong to be an offensive lineman. So that's why I've been ever since. Yo, so you played 1A ball in a seven-on-seven tournament. Y'all had 1A going 5A? That's crazy. Yeah, man. It was actually pretty cool. My older brother played ball at Northern Colorado, um, so they let us in. It was supposed to be a 3A, 4A, 5A tournament. Um, my dad promised to be competitive, and we, it, was, it was a highlight of our small school's life, man. We can say, hey, we beat everyone else out. We played the championship game. Uh, it was pretty cool. That's, That's cool as hell, is. man. That's awesome. I was going to ask you, um, did any games or opponents, you know, whether it was like a team or a specific individual, uh, did anything stand out when you were at Kansas State? Like any memories that you like remember or kind of revere? Yeah, I mean, a ton of them, man. You know, I know one, every time we played OU, I, I couldn't stand it. They're such a good program. I played Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray for my four years of playing at Kansas State. Um, sometimes I lost 55 to zero. Um, sometimes it was 48, 45, and we almost beat the number three team in the country. You know, it was awesome. It's a great experience to be able to play them. But I know every time we played them, man, um, just be able to play the Sooners. That's a premier football team. You know, I got to beat Texas um, once or twice. You know, they beat us. We played double. I got to go to DKR go to double overtime. Um, we lost our great football team, but I mean, is that the 40, 34? Is that the 40, 34 game? Was that the 40, 34 game? That one? I think Ellinger. Yep. Ellinger. Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. We were in double OT. My right guard got a holding call. Um, that kind of screwed us, man, but no, like just memories (laughs) like that, you know, like I hate to say it because like, you know, we're a challenger in the big 12 too, but like, you know, playing Texas and OU, like those memories are cool, man. You know, you get to play guys that are in the league. I'm playing in the league now and I get to see so many guys from big 12 ball up here representing in the league. And it's just so cool. Um, those two football teams were probably some of the coolest memories I had, you know, whether you can't stand Texas or OU or not, you still got to go play at those stadiums that you watch growing up that are talked about every Saturday. Um, so those are some pretty cool memories, man. For sure. Were you O-line all the way through college then? Or? Yeah, all the way through, man. So, like, once I got to my sophomore year of high school, I was, you know, right tackle, left tackle, center, all sorts of stuff. When I got to college, I redshirted as a center, played my redshirt freshman year as center, and then I played uh, right tackle my last three years. So, yeah. I did catch a touchdown, though, bro. Senior night uh, against Texas yeah. Tech. I caught a touchdown, so it was pretty cool. There you go. Um, I was going to ask, man, at Kansas State – uh, obviously, you were under the tutelage of the great Bill Snyder. 
um, who I don't believe is there anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, how did what you learned under him and at that program kind of translate, you know, now that you're in the NFL with the Broncos um, and kind of contribute to your growth as an athlete, as a professional athlete? For sure, man. You know, Bill Snyder's not there anymore. You're exactly right. Chris Kleiman from North Dakota State's there. Uh, me and Coach stay in contact to this day. It was one of those things, man, where, like, <laughs> I remember I committed to Kansas State. I had five other official visits planned. Bill Snyder calls me on his cell phone, and he says, I just want to let you know, son, that we're a by-the-book program, and you're committed to us. And if I find out you step foot on any other campus, I'm just a high school kid trying to view my options, bro. And he says, your offer's withdrawn. You step foot on Stanford's campus, anyone's campus that offered you, and your scholarship's gone. So I said, well, looks like I'm going to Kansas State. Um, And I wanted to go there, man, for a good reason. Um, It was a great place. And Coach Snyder was the type of coach that, I mean, I was a three-year captain. I started four years every single game. He never once told me he was proud of me. He never once gave me any type of compliment. He was always ragging on me. I could always do more. You know, senior night, he let him call the play for me to score a touchdown. He also told me he was proud of me. Um, and that stuff meant the most to me, man. Sure. You know, and that's why I love Kansas State because Coach Snyder wanted to win. But what he wanted to win more at was turning us college kids, us boys, 18-year-old boys, man, thinking that we're men. He wanted to turn us into men. And he wanted to prepare us to be better fathers, better husbands teammates, friends, sons, whatever it was, he wanted to turn us into better people for this world. He didn't care if we went to the NFL. He didn't care if we won a national championship. He wanted that, and we were going to prepare to win every single week, and that's what we wanted to do. But where he won his battles, I feel like, is turning us into men, and I knew that was one thing that he was going to do. And, I mean, he turned a, a fat kid from Wiggins, Colorado, that thought he was on top of the world, you know, I feel like into a grown man, someone that had been battle tested and been through some serious workouts and time commitments and everything. I think he does a great job preparing guys for, for life after ball, because ball ain't going to last forever. It's going to end for me someday. Um, And he did a great job of that. And that's why I went there. No, it shows the impact he made and the maturity because I mean, you got drafted really high as a lineman and you started right away coming into the NFL so, I mean, that says a lot. I mean, what do you say um, the biggest difference is as a lineman from college to the NFL outside of the size and speed? I mean, are there any, like, major differences besides the physical stuff? Yeah, you know, one, obviously, like you said, you know, in college, I feel like there are great athletes, you know, and there are games where you're tested. But there's also games where you can get away with going 70% because you're going against some guy from Iowa State or KU. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Um, keep it going. In the NFL, you get you get guys like you got to go 110 percent, Zach, every single play. And if you don't, you're going to get embarrassed on national television. And it's not, hey, you're going to just get put out, or hey, you need to have a better game. Um, you're going to always keep your scholarship unless you do something bad. You get kicked off the team. In the NFL, you don't perform. It's doggy dog world. You're out. You're not putting food on the plate for your family. You're out. Like you don't get a very many shots in this league. I've seen way too many guys in just two years, year and a half, really go in and out of the league. And I'm looking at their social media now and they're not doing anything with ball. Like they had their shot, they didn't do it and they're out. And that's one of the big difference I've seen is man, like you don't get very many shots in this league. It's a lot to do with politics. Um, you got to play all your cards, right? You got to do everything by the book, man, and make sure you capitalize when you're out there and you're going up against guys, really good guys. Um, one thing I love is that, you know, in college, you know, a kid shows up late to a workout, you're all running. You're running for an hour. Coach Snyder's making you do stairs. You're a team. You do things together. In the NFL, you know, a guy shows up late, like, you don't got to pay for his stuff. You know, he's going to get fined. 
he's going to probably find his way off the team or get dealt with in some way. You got to go about your practice and get better. And that's one thing I've, uh, I've really liked about the league is it's all on you. You're grown men. You know, you're in the NFL, you're a grown man. You expect to be a grown man. So if you want to do things right or do things wrong, you'll be held accountable. Speaking of accountability, um, I think one thing that kind of plays into that mentality and notion is the idea of next man up. And you were fortunate enough to be on a team that was out of men at one position. Um, (laughs) And I was going to ask, man, what was that experience like playing virtually without a quarterback? Like, especially for you being the guy, one of the guys protecting him. Um, like how did that kind of unfold for y'all on the field? Well, it was tough, man. You know, you don't want to be the team that's like, oh, now we're screwed. We're going to lose, yada, yada, yada. You know, at the same time, like you take away every quarterback that we had, and I could talk to y'all for 30 minutes about that whole process. <laughs> it's just very frustrating. Um, and the hands please, that we were dealt. Y'all were pissed, please, I bet. Please elaborate <laughs> if you want to. Feel free. Yeah, dude, I what mean. the anger, it, oh, anger management session right it, now. It was, just, it was just frustrating <laughs> because, you know, you have teams across the league that, have breakouts um, and they're getting postponed a week. You know, we lost our bye week this year because the Patriots didn't do their job. We lost our bye. We practiced all week, think we're going to play the Patriots and we didn't get a plan because some, they had a COVID outbreak. So then we pretty much lost our bye week, which in the league is extremely important. Take care of your body, get your mind off football for a little bit and refresh and get ready for the rest of the year. So we were in pads practicing the whole week, find out on like Friday, so then we get two days off and have to go back for a whole nother week for the same team because they didn't do what they were supposed to do and they got their game postponed. Um, so we made that sacrifice. Other teams are making the sacrifices. Sure. And then we get knocked um, because our quarterbacks were all in close contact. And they say, no, you have to play on Sunday. Whenever there's other games across the league that, that got to be pushed back to Tuesday or Wednesday for the exact same thing, man. Um, and it just was extremely frustrating. Like, man, you, you can't make exceptions for other teams and then not make the exception for us. Because we understand COVID's a big deal. And we understand, like, we don't want outbreaks. And it's not a good look to have that. We have to do our job by keeping masks on and staying socially distanced and everything in that respect. But I just felt like it was unfair, you know, and that just sounds like a broken record, man. Um, but I think that they should have realized that taking out every single one of our quarterbacks. I mean, we do, we were about to sign a coach. We tried to see if we could sign a coach that played D2 ball. <laughs> like, cause think about it. You couldn't say, you couldn't bring anyone in. Everyone's like, well, you could have brought someone in. It's like, no, with COVID there's a five day protocol of having to get tested yep. to make sure that you can be able to ready to play. So we were literally thinking about bringing our offensive line assistant coach that played D2 ball at Chattanooga letting him have his shot. And I'm like, bro, you got to be kidding me. And then we found Kendall and Kendall played at Wake Forest. But I mean, you're taking a kid that got cut early early in the year (laughs) on our team at, at wide receiver. He's brought back the two weeks before he played, he was at scout team DB and and you're calling him up and saying, Hey, I need one offensive line. You guys got to put in 10 or 15 new plays. We got to put in a silent count, which we haven't used all year because there haven't been any fans because he doesn't, he, the cadence is going to be all messed up. So we put in a silent count. We put in 20 brand new plays. So we were all fresh going into this game, like a whole new game plan, completely different from what we prepared for all week. They, the league also, man, you guys told me to rant. They didn't give us notice until 24 hours before the game. It was the night before the game, maybe not even 24 hours, 12 hours. They didn't tell us Wednesday. They didn't tell us Tuesday. I mean, our, our yeah, quarterback that up. got sick was like Monday. They called us on Saturday night. We, didn't, we prepared all week with Drew. And on Saturday night, they told us none of your quarterbacks can play. So we had 12 hours to make this thing happen. And, and hats off to Kendall, man. Um, love that kid. The way he stepped in, the courage that that kid had to put himself in a situation like that. 
um, was incredible, man. So it was pretty much one of those games where you, you lock arms with your brothers and you go out there and give it everything you got and see what happens. I was going to say, um, not only did it seem inconsistent, just from my perspective as a fan, not only did it seem inconsistent that the NFL didn't you know, postpone the game, but in addition to that, um, it's just kind of dangerous, right? Like you got guys who don't play quarterback forcing a position where you're technically being targeted every down. I just think it's that like someone could get hurt that way, you know? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, man. And like the quarterback and then other positions too. Like you watch back the tape. I mean, the Saints had eight guys in the box. They were man on the wide receivers. They didn't care. They knew that we weren't going to be able to throw the ball. They're bringing eight. I mean, and they were hitting our guy. Like Kendall took some beatings that game. I mean, what are they supposed to do? I don't, I don't blame the Saints. I mean, they're playing NFL ball trying to make the playoffs. I don't blame them for going hard. Whoever's in there, you got to go hard and win the football game. But from our point of view, it's like, okay, now we can't play with quarterbacks. So now we're going to put Kendall Hinton in there, this awesome kid that's going to give it his all. But he also weighs a buck 60 or whatever he weighs, a buck 70. And he's just getting thrown in there at quarterback. And he has 380 pound defensive linemen coming at him when there's eight in the box. So it was, it was frustrating, man. We, we put a lot on ourselves as an offensive line to, to prevent him from getting hit and doing our job. And it was, it was a tough day, man, but we overcame it. Um, you know, we've haven't had the best season for what we've wanted this year, but we won a good game yesterday. We're trying to build off that and uh, keep rolling against the circumstances. No, you guys were in the playoff hunt and you guys, I mean, technically still are right now. And so that game actually meant something for you guys. It was, it was a BS um, screw job for sure. But I mean, it's, it's life and you guys are professional going about it. Even though there were plenty of, complaints out there but rightfully so which kind of sucks but um in your two years i mean for an offensive lineman who started all this time you've probably dealt with more quarterbacks than the average i mean i think i want to count up to five i want to say is that correct or how many quarterbacks have you protected in this time the it two was years. three last year jeff and Britt this year six uh jeff six. And Britt, yeah. you so can name Joe them all right yeah joe flacco <laughs> Uh, Brandon Allen, Drew Locke, uh, Brett Rippon, uh, Jeff Driscoll, and Kendall Hinton. So yeah, I'm on. I'm on hey. quarterback six, man. How uh, how hard is it changing from guy to guy and not knowing? I mean, who it's going to be at times. It's a game of football, so I can't complain too much. Just because there's quarterbacks that go down every year, and you're right. professionals, so you got to be able to deal with that. Um, but it's different, man. Extremely different. You know, we had uh, to start my career. I had Joe Flacco, uh, a savvy vet. I got so much respect for. Um, and I think he'd tell you this too, you know, he, he's not the biggest mover. He's not going to run. Joe Flacco's not going to run around. He's not going to be doing a lot of that. He's going to sit in the pocket, Peyton Manning style and, and sling it. So from an offensive line perspective there, you know, it was like, Hey, you get beat Joe's in trouble. You know what I mean? And then you get different guys in there like drew who are really dynamic and they can make guys miss, uh, and throw on the run and stuff. So you got completely different schemes of quarterbacks, guys that, their three-step drop is close. Their five-step drop is really far back, so you got to change your angle of blocking. Cadence is completely different. Um, that's probably one of the hardest things. Quarterbacks' cadences are all over the place in terms of rhythm and how loud they speak um, and hard counts and everything. So there's a big difference between all the quarterbacks, man, but it's our job to adjust to that and keep it rolling. So I need to know, who are some of the toughest DNs, uh, defense players you've had to go against? J.J. Watt. <laughs> listen i played the texans last year but jj was hurt so i didn't get the opportunity to go Oof. against him um chris jones for the chiefs he's a pro bowler he's a big time vet in the league he's a very good player um grady jarrett for the atlanta falcons he's been around a while extremely good hands quick guy Terrell casey with the titans he was great he's on our team now 
Um, defensive ends that I blocked, uh, I got to block Khalil Mack uh, five or six times. We played the Bears. Joey Bosa, I deal with, you know, two times a year uh, whenever he comes inside for certain fronts. So there's a, there's a ton of different guys, man. Those are some of the few guys that have stood out. Uh, but really, every game, you're looking at a new guy that you're like, okay, I got to get ready to roll for this guy. You said uh, you you almost said the beers reminded me of basketball. If anyone's seen that, unless <laughs> love I, that movie. <laughs> unless I'm just too old. That's with a that throwback. One. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome movie. The Milwaukee Beers, baby. So, uh, Dalton, this weekend coming up, if I'm not mistaken, you guys are facing the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are having a good season. Uh, Josh Allen seems to really be coming into his own. Um, so, what are you guys thinking of in terms of preparation for that game, and kind of what goes into that? Yeah, you know, the Bills are 10-3. and three. They just beat the Chiefs on Sunday night football. I felt like they beat them handily. You know, got back, watched the rest of that football game. They're a good team, man. We went and played them in Buffalo last year. You know, Josh Allen is uh, – I think it's Josh, or I think it is. Yeah, it's Josh <laughs> Allen. Is it Josh? Yeah, it's Josh. Okay, yeah, I think it's Josh, man. Uh, he's a great quarterback, dude. He knows how to run. He can sling it. Uh, they got a great defense, man. They're a good football team all around. The Bills have made huge strides. They're obviously in playoff contention. I'm going to make a run this year. So it's a great opportunity for us, man. I think they're strong to the team is their offense. I think they have some weaknesses on defense, but you got to give credit to them. They've shut teams down to fewer than 20 points for a few weeks now um, and done a good job. But every team has a weakness. You know, they, they've had games this year that they've, uh, you know, been broken on certain plays and games, especially against the Chiefs. You know, I think the Chiefs exposed them on certain areas. But it's just like every week, fellas, you know, you got great guys you're going up against. you got to out-scheme them, and you got to do what you do. You can't focus too much on them. So it's only Monday. Today was our recovery day and watch film from our game yesterday um, and get ready for the next team. So we barely started digging into the bills, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun one on Saturday. All right. Here's one. So what are the biggest misconceptions of an offensive lineman? Where are people wrong? What, what do we got to know? Whew, okay. Biggest misconceptions, man. You know, one, I would say like, and this is kind of cliche, but you say a lot of offensive linemen are the guys that, you know, aren't athletic, the guys that can't move. They have to just be the big hogs up front. And until you play the position, man, it's really hard to understand. Like, you can say what you want about the position, but you look at the guys we're going against, and if you're going to say Khalil Mack's athletic, which if anyone says he's not, has a huge <laughs> issue, um, we block that guy. So you got to have the best hands, the best feet, the coordination, the athleticism to, to catch him after he gives you a double move. Um, and even guys inside, there's so many great interior players we've been against, too, that, you know, you just got to prove that, hey, I'm athletic, I'm strong. You know, some of you think, hey, you know, just big, strong hogs, you know, just big guys on the line, don't really have to move. But I think there's a lot more athleticism um, that goes to the game that people forget. But most importantly, and this is what I tell kids growing up that want to go play in the league and they have dreams of being an offensive lineman in the NFL or D1 or whatever it is, is just a lot of it's up here. I have seen guys that can bench press the 225 50 times. I've seen guys that look absolutely yoked that you think they're going to get on the football field and wreck somebody. Um, and they're just strong. They're beasts. But then they get out there. So much of the game is understanding angles, understanding which way to go, your, your 60 plays plus playbook. Uh, you know, for offensive linemen that people don't understand is like, say it's you got 60 plays in the playbook at least, right? You got three down fronts. You got four down fronts. You got five down fronts. You got nickel. You got dime. Uh, you got 4-3, four, 4-3 three, four, three under, over. I mean, I could go on and on, and your plays change based on the front. So it's pretty much like, okay, you get to play, 
in your head as you're walking to the line of scrimmage, you're thinking of that play and what your blocking technique and rules are. You get up, you assess the front, and then you choose how to block it based off that front. And there's so much that goes into it. Um, and you got to be you got to be mentally sound um, upstairs, man, up in your head to be able to be an offensive lineman. I think a lot of people don't know that. I have always been kind of in awe at at what you guys do for that specific reason. There's so much mentally that goes into it. There's so much you have to learn and know and study. And not only do you have to know it, but then you have to apply it like on the fly with guys like yeah. Lil Mac flying in your face. Mm. And so it's it's just incredible. And kind of to your point, um, you know, a lot of people. Not that I'm like an NFL guru. I'm just a I'm just a fan. I'm just a guy. But a lot of people will look at like an athletic freak, you know, six seven whatever bench press X Y Z, and they start gushing over it. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, and maybe you could tell us better, it really takes someone with the footwork and the strength and the leverage, right? It doesn't it doesn't like matter if you're the strongest guy on the field if you can't use it. Um, yeah. But, you know, but but to that extent, um, I was going to say or I was going to ask. Uh, off the field, right? Like you guys, you have all this stuff that goes into it on the field, but what, what off the field talents, like what is something we don't know about you that, you know, you can do or that you like to do or that you want to talk about or whatever, you know, kind of opening up. Can you yeah, dance? I, I mean, it looks like you can dance a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you guys watched the Sunday night chiefs game, man, but I, I, I got in front of the showtime cam. I did my rise move, man. I'm trying to get it viral. Um, it's a really goofy dance, bro, but I, my teammates are cl- uh, hanging on to it, help me with it, and we're going to get it to go viral, bro. I'm just waiting for a rapper to pick it up, you know, you know, little Yachty. Well, we got one right there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just, hey, pick it up, put the rise in your, your, your YouTube video, your music video, and we'll get it going. Um, I'm a goofy dude, man. I think a big thing that people don't realize is we're humans. Um, and off the field, we're humans, man. We're all humans down here. When I was a kid, I looked at NFL players like, what would it be like? to talk to a guy like that or shake his hand well guess what we're all just humans man like now that i'm here in the league like i'm just dalton i don't think i'm that cool a lot of people do which is awesome i love that microscope that i'm under but like we're just we're just people man we do all the same things i like to go home with free time i like to hop on the war zone if my girlfriend lets me um i like to run quads with i like to run quads with the boys um man i love to cook you know i don't think that's no secret i know i'm lean and mean and looking good but like (laughs) do you do you grill yeah, I love to grill, man. I got he I got to deal with fucking... Yeah, I got to deal with Traeger, so we smoke stuff. I love to grill. I was about to man. ask you I got a boy who's uh he's an ambassador for Big Green Egg, which might be a competitor yeah. for for Traeger, but I was going to say I'll plug you guys up cuz I know there's like uh, I know there's like a few linemen that are like really like into grilling and kind of doing their food on Instagram I've seen, right? There's a, there's some Yeah, like bro. Linemen. Yeah, dude, like yeah. they'll post their meat, they'll be talking about how to rest it, all that good stuff. Like you ask they'll my girl. Post their I mean, meat. Yeah, dude. No, no, not not literally like that, bro. <laughs> not me. Not me anyways. Let's hope. <laughs> Make sure everyone watching this, uh, they know what I meant. All right, bro. We'll get that in the highlight video for sure. My my girl could vouch, dude, tonight. I whipped up a, a beef tortellini man, uh marinara, a spicy marinara beef tortellini. It was fire, dude, covered it in some parmesan cheese. So I know Ooh. what I'm doing. Okay. Hell yeah. I like asking every big dude this. What's the most you've eaten in one sitting ever? Oh, dude. Um, I have to use a reference from like a fast food joint. Go because obviously, hey, how many make chickens? Fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, like, I mean, you look at like family dinners with mom. Yeah, I torch that. I torch Thanksgiving, all that good stuff. But if I'm really hungry, man, and I sit down and I have a meal, like say like McDonald's, like, and this is back in my prime. Unfortunately, now I can't do it. I don't know why. But in my prime, I could put down, I'd say three McDoubles, three hot and spicies, 
two large fries, two pies, and a large Powerade. You know what I mean? Which is, that's a lot of food. So it's not, not too much, but I used to be able to pound a lot of food. Hey, oh, back yeah. in my day, for whatever it's worth, in high school, my, my big go-to, and this was like, a, it wasn't like my, like a one-off. It's like what I would get on Saturday nights when things were a little hazy. Um, <laughs> j- Jumbo Jack, two tacos, spicy chicken, Oreo shake. That was That's my Texas shit or what? Jumbo Jack? I ain't never heard of that. <laughs> Bro, I have never heard of Jumbo Jack in my life. That's that's his alley. Jack in the box. That's his bro. Austin alley. Oh, alley Jack meet. in the box. Jack in the, like a Jumbo oh, okay. Jack. Oh, the, 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 yeah, yeah. No, I, I got yeah. you. I got you. Okay, Jack in the box. I actually ordered a a bacon butter burger like two weeks ago from there, like 11 p.m. before I went to bed, and it was awful, bro. So I don't know if I'm ever going to try Jack in the Box again. Look, look, to be clear, I, I, I haven't eaten a Jack in the Box in like a decade, but it used to be my spot. But Dalton, uh, before we get you out of here, man, I wanted to ask you, uh, you seem, from what, what you said earlier, it seems like Christmas is your jam. Top three Christmas movies. Oh, that's easy money. One is Elf. That takes the cake. Um, Elf is by far the goat. Two, Christmas Vacation, National Lampoons. That's okay. a goat in my family. Yes, um, yes. You better not miss on number three, though. Oh, bro, Home Alone. I got Thank go you. Thank there. you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Had to make sure. Zach, anything else? Last thing, need to get a little quick snippet of your foundation. Got to promote that a little bit. Did a little research. Looks awesome. But give us a little plug of your foundation you're working on that you've been doing for a while. Yeah, I really appreciate that, man. You know, that's something that, I mean, this, like I said earlier, this football thing's dope. I love to be able to play football at this high of a level, but I'd much rather be remembered for the type of person I was off the field, man, how I treated people, my kindness to others um, with the microscope that I'm under. So I created the foundation. It's called the Rise Rep Foundation. Created when I was in college. It's a 5013C nonprofit, and it's really just about giving back to people, man. I feel like in this world, we forget um, what simple acts of kindness do, man. We, we're so worried about ourselves. We're so worried about taking uh, care of each other, like ourselves, rather than t- taking care of each other. And I think it's so important, especially in today's day and age, man, with the pandemic and everything going on. Like, we need to care more for others. You know, Jesus Christ is obviously a huge role model in my life. That's something I believe in. Uh, with my whole heart and I try to live by every single day. And I just think the way you treat people goes a lot farther than anything else. You know, when, after you guys get off here, you guys are talking about my play the last two years, like, Hey, that's awesome. But I'd much rather you guys be like, Hey, that's a good dude. That's a genuine guy. Like he brought a smile to my face tonight. Um, I think that's what we all need to be more focused on. So that's what my foundation's about, man, is putting smiles on people's faces um, and being good to other people. And uh, you can check that out at riserup.com. Check it up at the Reisner Up Foundation on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. You can see what we're up to. Um, and, yeah, it's really cool, man. So I appreciate you guys asking. Don't oh, we appreciate and- it, man. We're going to be giving that a shout out. We appreciate your time. You are a good dude. Work on those dance moves, though. <laughs> you need to keep working on it because you got a long career ahead of you. The dance moves are only becoming way more important, man. So best of <laughs> luck. Right. And we'll be rooting for the Broncos because of you, man. You got, you're making history on this show. I appreciate it, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, Dalton, thank you so much for the time. If you need that dance to go viral, shoot it over. I'll try to blast it on my Twitter. Um, and by the way, I just realized this. My name is uh, that of my lady. My, my name is Roosh Williams, Dalton, just so you know that. Okay. You call me, call me Roosh. But thank you my so much for your time. over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll be tracking your career, man, and uh, go, go beat the Bills this weekend. All right. Thanks, man. God bless y'all. Take care. Likewise. Thank you.
You have been listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, presented by All Is Life and Dash Radio. The guys just wrapped up chatting with Dalton Reisner of the Denver Broncos. What's that? Football. Yeah, that's right. These boys are versatile. Let's get back to some hoops as they make their predictions for the upcoming NBA season awards. Just wrapped up an awesome interview with Dalton Reisner of the Denver Broncos. And now, per what we usually do, we're going to switch gears and get into basketball. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking awards, NBA awards. So this is the first time Zach and I have run this down together. So kind of excited to see where we end up. Uh, Zach, I'll let you kick it off, man. Rookie of the year, who you got? Yeah, so rookie of the year is pretty wide open this year. Um, No, like, clear-cut guy that's popping off like no other. Like, last year it was Zion and John, no no doubt. Anybody's pick that was outside of that was just kind of crazy in my estimation. But uh, rookie of the year should be a battle all the way throughout the year and a fun award um, just to track this year, kind of like the MVP is every year. I think it's going to be uh, that exciting. And uh, because th- there are great rookie talents and there are going to be, there's going to be guys that pop off. But for me, it always just comes down to stat line rookie of the year. It doesn't matter their impact. Uh, it's very rare. It's like one in every five, like Malcolm Brogdon type guys that go you're 13 and six or something and on a really good Milwaukee Bucks team to steal it from a guy that had an amazing stat line. So um, my it, it's, it's just one to five guys. I mean, my number one guy, I'm, I flip flop back and forth nonstop. I'm going James Wiseman. I think uh, he's going to get the most run because the Warriors actually need him. His ceiling's the highest. I mean, they, they're, they're reaching for potential there uh, because, I mean, without, without Clay, they need to figure out any upside they can. So I think they're going to get this guy all the touches in the world. And I'll be surprised if he doesn't put up 15 and 10, honestly. So tough beating a stat line like that. Who you got coming at number one? Yeah, I uh, pretty much agree with everything you said. Surprised that you didn't go with the homer pick with Anthony Edwards. But uh, so I think it's going to be one of those years that you said, one of those rare types of years where, you know, it's not some crazy phenom talent, crazy stat line. It's more of, you know, a solid role player, not a role player, but, you know, you know what I'm saying? A contributor on a good team. Um, that performs well. And in that line of thinking, I was going to pick James Wiseman, but he's my mm-hmm. number two. I changed last second yeah. because I think there's potential for Denny. Okay, Denny Advia. I think he's got an opportunity to put up some numbers, um, and he comes from a pro league. So I think we're starting to see guys like that, at least t- in terms of top-tier talent, kind of seamlessly just fitting right into the NBA, almost having an advantage because they're playing professionally. So Denny's my pick. Wiseman's my second pick because of all the reasons you mentioned. He's going to get touches. He's going to be featured. Um, You know, the media loves the Warriors to begin with. So if Wiseman can contribute to Golden State's success, you know, I think he's going to get a look. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he's going to be right in the mix. Um, I got Denny uh, not coming in until like eight, nine range, but I wouldn't be shocked if he honestly pulled it out. I think there's going to be guys like Troy Brown Jr. Um, and Rui uh, taking a lot away from Denny, and it's just going to be kind of like a seamless, smooth transition for Denny coming in there. But number two um, on my rookie of the year, I got LaMelo Ball. I think he's going to get the next most usage. I think he'll have a usage above 20% for sure. Um, I'm not really sold on anybody else besides 
him and Obi getting that type of usage. So Obi's going to be my three, Cole Anthony four. And this is going to shock a lot of people. Cole Anthony, one, I mean, is going to shock a lot of people that I have him at number four. And then my fifth guy, Killian Hayes, number seven pick. Totally forgot about Killian Hayes. I totally forgot about Killian Hayes. I mean, he's starting for a he's, terrible he, Detroit Pistons team. So yeah, he's, he's going to get touches. He's got the talent. Um, I think he played, if I'm not mistaken, professionally as well, right, in Germany? Yeah, I'm going to get thrashed by the Minnesota fan base. Um, Anthony Edwards, I, <laughs> I, I picked out till eight, honestly. I stopped at eight on this one. I normally go pretty deep with my picks just to see how – how well I turn out, but I have Edwards at six, to be honest. And um, I just don't think he's going to put up massive stats. I think he can be semi-important if this team gels at all and um, is needed, but I'm not even certain he's going to start, which drives me nuts. Like I only care about one thing in Minnesota this year, and that's three guys starting. Okay. That's so it could be three things. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they have to start game one. I mean, Cat and D'Lo are no-brainers, but I think Edwards needs to start game one or else we're not doing things right. Um, and there's a great chance he doesn't by everything I'm seeing and hearing. But uh, had a great first quarter tonight against Dallas. Uh, 11 points, three for four from three. So that gives us a little hope that he's looking like a number one pick. Yeah, yeah. I get, for whatever reason, I get Jarrett Culver vibes. From Anthony Edwards, um, not to make it like a bad thing. I just, I just don't think he's going to have a, a crazy statistical season, um, which you know is why I don't really have him on my list. Killian Hayes, I'll go ahead and slip Killian in at three, and I had Lamelo at four. Lamelo is who I'm most excited to see. He had a good yeah. night tonight. I don't know what his final stat line was, but at one point he uh, he was four of eight from three, which is a good sign. So I'm really excited to see Lamelo. So I go Denny Wiseman, Killian, and Lamelo. So Very that. Good is rookie of the year let's go ahead and do most improved now let's go defensive that's defensive. a little bo- okay, okay that's a boring one we'll okay, get defensive go- out of the way it's kind of like the whole hum blah just throw pick one of the stud defenders there's only like five of them right <laughs> it's right. literally like five guys every year if you throw me somebody that's not on my list i'm gonna I'm, I'll, I'll give you a kudos i mean i'll send you a, a meal plan Honestly, or something Honestly, this is one of my least favorite awards because, you know, basketball is not about individual defense. It's not about how many blocks you get. You know, some of the guys that play the best defense don't really get, you know, proper recognition for it because you don't notice it. Kind of like with cornerbacks, right? Like the the best cornerbacks aren't going to be getting a ton of pass deflections, a, a ton of interceptions, not necessarily at least because they just play so such good coverage that, you know, their guy's not even open to throw to. But uh, DPOY, I'm going with Bama Lamb, Miami. Mm, I love it. I mean, like I said, he's one of five guys on my list that can win it for sure. It's going to be a toss-up all season long between. It's just going to be who plays the best team defense. And metrics are so tough. Like some people tell me, I I fight with people over this, Um, like having metrics for like defensive player of the year and MVP. I'm not with it because there's so much nuance. And substance that needs to be included in this. You got to be able to watch the game and where numbers doesn't don't come into play here. Really. It's who's putting out the most effort a lot of the times and like giving it 80 to a hundred percent more often than not, you know? Yeah. I, I hate using metrics for defense. Good. You can, you can't quantify good defense. You sometimes you can, but you can't always do it. And therefore 
it's not useful, right? Like, I mean, even as a Rockets fan, a lot of Rockets would tout, would tout you know, Harden's, yep. I don't know, 90th percentile in post-up defense. And like, yeah, he's a great post defender, but that doesn't account for the mistakes he makes in the post that lead to like perimeter points, right? Like it, there's just no accurate way to account for all of that type of shit. So I'm not with it, but who's your pick? So as much as I want to go with the new Houston Rockets, uh, point guard, small forward, whatever you want to call Ben Simmons, um, I'm going to go with, uh, because he's going to be in Houston, it's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be a lot, really dysfunctional, but I'm going with Anthony Davis. I think it's going to be a monster, monster year from Anthony Davis. And uh, as long as he stays healthy, I don't see him not bringing home at least one major award. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Um, Anthony Davis is, the last year, all I needed to see is that confidence level. I think this guy is going to have the best um, positive uh, championship hangover we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, but Bam I have at three. I have Giannis coming in at two. And then I got Ben Simmons at four, even though if Ben's in Philly all year, I think Ben could easily win this award. And then five. There's my five guys, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> exactly, dude. Bam, Giannis, uh, Gobert, you know, whatever. Ben Simmons. Take Do you have pick. any random name that you think could make any noise? Any? No, I, I lost all faith. I mean, <laughs> I've, I, my faith has been lost in that little process, but I lost all faith when P.J. Tucker still is not making an all-defense team. So, yeah. nah, they're, they're not going to get no, They're not going to get so here's my one wild card I'm throwing out there. Brandon Clark from Memphis. Ah, no. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> All right. That is Defensive Player of the Year. Let's go to another milk toast ass award. Uh, <laughs> Coach, Coach of the Year. Very perfect. Let's get that one out of the way, too. Yes. Um, so my, my three, you're going five deep. I generally went three for most of them with a couple couple rotating extra options but my three um i'm gonna i'm kind of having fun with this one i'm gonna try to get outside the box with you know instead of picking like the coach of the number one seed which will probably Mm. be vogel or bud i'm gonna go with first pick i think dallas is gonna have a really good season possibly two seed possibly three seed somewhere in that range so i think rick carlisle makes uh makes you know whatever gets himself a coach of coach of the year award second to, to Rick Carlisle, I have Steve Nash. Mm. If, if Brooklyn, you know, performs as well as people think, Steve Nash. And then third, I couldn't, I couldn't help but do it, uh, Steven Silas. If, if, <laughs> Let's go. Hey, if, if the Rockets, if things cool down a little bit and James Harden stays put and they play good basketball, you know, three seed, something like that. As a rookie head coach, dealing with all that and managing and navigating those waters, I think he's got a real argument for that. So, who'd you pick? So, what seed do the Mavericks have to get for Rick Carlisle to win the award in your estimation? Uh, I think they could go as low as three. Fair. No, if they get the three seed with that team, he wins it. Yes, I agree. My coach of the year pick is going to spoil our Western Conference predictions a lot, but Terry Stotts. From Portland, Oregon. Mm, I'm not high on the Blazers. I am super high on the Blazers. I think they're incredibly deep. I think Nurkic is going to be 
masterful this year after having a great bubble. I think he and Rocco are going to be the two spots that Portland has needed to be consistent and great for a long time. And then Gary Trent's breaking out, and that's what's going to propel Terry Stotts to um, get, I think, his first Coach of the Year award, um, if I'm not mistaken. I can't think of another year that he would have won it. But after that, I'm going Mike Malone. I'm going Mike Malone at two. Okay. And then uh, number three, I'll go Bud. Four, I'm going to go Spolstra. And then five, give me a Western Conference team here. Stevie Silas. If Harden stays, I do like the Steven Silas pick. I, I really do, I honestly. Because it, it, here's how I see that happening. If Harden sticks around for a month, they get off to like a 10-3 and three start. You know, that's, that's what they need. I mean for him to say, let's push this off another month. And then he pushes off another month. And then he pushes off another month, and they make it past the trade deadline. The Rockets, in order for Steven Silas to win this award, which I see this very much happening if Harden sticks around getting the three seed, if they get the three seed with this completely fresh roster, yeah, just crown him. Crown the kid. I have to. Right? I mean, with, with with the new roster and tons of, I mean, the premier drama in the NBA for the last two months, right? Tillman Fertitta, Daryl Morey leaves, Harden trade request, Russell Westbrook traded, things didn't work out, Daniel House Horny, like <laughs> so many storylines. If he really somehow inherits all of that and fixes it, shit, tip the cap. So, all right. Last now- two names I'm going to throw out there, though, as sleepers. I'm going to throw out Lloyd Pierce. He'd have to get the sixth seed for Atlanta. And then, yeah, I don't see that happening. I think they're going to get seven or eight if they do make the playoffs. And then Monty Williams of Phoenix, which I could see them getting up to five and him pulling it out of his ass. <laughs> I like Monty Williams. I'll also throw a sleeper, um, Doc Rivers. If Philadelphia, okay. if Philadelphia has a good season and, like, if they turn some of the corners that have plagued them and they can be a top three seed, you know, why not Doc Rivers? Or, yeah, even, even um, Brad Stevens, if, if, like, Kimball Walker's out, and Boston, you know, is a solid, a solid squad just kind of overcoming all of that and coasting. Maybe Brad Stevens. I guess we listed half of the NBA, but <laughs> we fucking did. Um, okay, so rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year. Next, we got, I believe, My most improved. Favorite award. My most all-time improved. favorite award. Nothing I like more about the NBA than watching player development. That's the whole reason why I watch the NBA is the growth of the players and just seeing players pop out of nowhere, um, surprise stories, and just the ascend, the ascend to greatness. And that's why I love this award so much. So um, you, you can see if you're watching the games and you're paying attention, you can see this thing all play out and unfold. Um, that's what I love about it. Uh, I really, my list is short, but. I have a guy who I think had a strong close to the season last season. And by virtue of having a bigger role and presumably being on a better team with better compliments to his game, uh, he's just going to have, I I think his stats are going to, you know, shoot through the roof. And I think he's going to have an impact on a team that hopefully will be pretty good. So my pick again, Homer pick it's, but it's, it makes sense. It's Christian Wood. Um, I just, I just think he's going to average, you know, he has potential to average anywhere between 15 and 20, and he might even double 
double up with a double double. You know, he could he could give you something like seventeen ten. He could even go as high as maybe like a twenty and ten if he's really balling. Um, but yeah. I just think he's going to be really good. I think he'll be borderline all star. Um, so I got Christian Wood. Borderline all-star. Yeah, I, I mean, I see that in year two. I, I don't see year one, but... Hey. Well, if, you're, if you just saw that, those first three quarters against the Spurs, I mean, <laughs> no he, came, he came out the gate. Uh, and him and Harden... Look, if James Harden, and a lot of this con- is contingent on whether or not Harden stays, but if James Harden stays in Houston, um, I mean, Chris, yeah, Christian Wood's going to benefit directly from that. So if James Harden stays in Houston, his new pick-and-roll partner is Christian Wood, and Christian Wood can do more than catch lobs. So we'll see. But who do you got? I agree with everything you said about Wood. I'm believing him just as much as you do. I um, think that's a fair stat line. Uh, I think he's 15, even if there's no Harden. I think he can get to closer to 20 with him. I think he can be the second or third leading scorer on that team for sure uh, with James Harden. But um, I have Christian Wood third on my list. So he's right there. He's in the mix. Uh, but, yeah, I, I need one more year before I were to give him the award. Uh, my number one guy, I just I worry about the depth of this team because they're as deep as any team. That's the Denver Nuggets. I'm going Michael Porter Jr. with my number one pick uh, for the most improved player of the year. I just think the guy's got star potential yet. Going from nine points, he basically averaged last year. I think he can do those Christian Wood numbers you're talking about uh, while making a major impact as well. It's just the defensive side of the ball really concerns me with him. Uh, dude can get exposed on anything. So after him, uh, who's your number two? Name, name me a couple more after that. Who you got there? We'll... My two and three was Michael Porter Jr. and Gary Trent. Jr. Oh, wow. Gary Trent. Okay. He didn't even make uh, my list, but I love it because I'm a huge Gary Trent guy. I just don't think he's going to get the exact opportunity he needs to get the statistics in this award. Uh, he's, I think he's, I just think he's primed for a really big role. They got mellow coming off the bench now, I yep. think, which, which I think is not going to do him well. So I think Gary Trent jr. Is going to be the guy that steps up off that bench. And if his shooting carries over whatsoever, um, you know, I just think, I don't know. I, I think he, he could have a big season. So who's your two, three, four, yeah, five, so my, my, <laughs> uh, my number two based on pure opportunity, um, <laughs> Not only do they pay him to hopefully take on a bigger role, but um, we've talked about him a lot in Detroit, and that's Jeremy Grant. Um, I think he's going to be – somebody's got to score off that team. Somebody does. And I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be Blake Griffin either because who knows, Blake hasn't played more than 10 games in his lifetime, I don't think. Um, so Jeremy Grant's going to need to help out a little bit. He had a really good game tonight. Uh, he's going to push 15-plus, so – I think he's got it in him to get 17-ish. It's, can he get more than that? I don't know. Um, so after Jeremy Grant, I said Christian Wood at three. This one could easily win it. Another one out of Toronto along with Pascal Siakam. OG Ananobi is my number four. Um, he's a guy that could be a borderline all-star this year. Two-way killer. My number five, this is all I'm going to mention for now. Um, I do got a long-ass list because I love this award. Uh, but Lonzo Ball is my number five. Mm, I like that. Um, OG, I would have to slide OG to number three. I slept on OG. There you go. I'm expecting big things out of OG, like we talked about the other night. All right. Do the we? Daddy of them all. 
the granddaddy of them all. I'm going to disagree with Jeremy Grant. Uh, I just think okay. we're, we're talking most improved, right? He's had seasons right. where, he, where he had 13 and change, 12 and change, mm-hmm. five or six boards, something like that. Um, I just don't think he's, you know, I think maybe he'll give us 15, 16, maybe 17. I just don't think that's most improved. And I think the context of, you know, him being one of few options on a bad team will also kind of hurt him. If anything, I think there's a chance we might see the opposite from Jeremy Grant. I think a regression, a regression, not even a a regression, just not filling the shoes that you would expect for a guy getting paid 20 mil a year. Right. So I think that might kind of hurt his reputation. Definitely not his pocket. Still a great player. Just more of a compliment than like a main piece, in my opinion. I think most people are in your shoes thinking that. I'm kind of in the minority with them because they think he's just this set role player and they don't see any other growth to him. And yes, the most improved player of the year award comes in two forms. Opportunity, basically just minutes and your stats inflate because you're this great player already. Or two, you actually improve stylistically and Skill level-wise, as a player, whether it's defense or positional aspect, like Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler have done throughout their whole career. So let's get to that granddaddy of them all, the MVP. Five. Let's go five down with the MVP. Okay. Number five, I would say, oh, that's tough. That's tough. I'm going to say Giannis. Oh, I love it. The I'm going to say Giannis. I'm going to say Giannis. I got to know. I'm going to say Giannis, and I'm going to say Giannis because of voter fatigue. Um, that'd be, I have, that'd I be have exhaustion. Seen, that'd be exhaustion. But after how he went out last season, I think that, you know, he kind of – it just wasn't a good look, right? So I think Milwaukee's going to run through the East. Logic says he'll get a lot of votes and be higher than fifth. But, they're, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's a team that keeps it close in the East, or maybe there are more impressive teams, and the voters are just like, yeah, we, we gave it to Giannis two years in a row. and. Last year, he got bounced embarrassingly. So, so who's your five? Yeah, my number five, um, I had, had a lot of different orders over the last couple of days, but I committed right before this show. Um, I came in with Luca at number five. Uh, because of Porzingis' injury, I don't think they're going to finish that high in the standings. So that's kind of why he's got number five. He could easily get up to number two. I don't think there's any chance of him winning this award this year, but. Um, I truly believe he can get um, up to two. But Luca's my number five. Uh, my number four, I think no matter how this season shakes out for him, trade or not, I just think he looks in amazing shape. I think he's got three, four great years. James Harden, I think, has got to finish in the top five. It's so hard for me to leave him off this thing. And if he were to go transcend uh, Philadelphia, it's he falls off this list if he goes to Brooklyn more than likely, but he could still even finish in the top five in Brooklyn. Uh, being KD, who knows how many games he's going to play in. So Harden could carry a big load there. Interesting. Um, my number four is Jason Tatum. Nice. He's six for me. Yeah, six. So I think I said the other night that I think Boston, uh, I think Jason Tatum will finish top five in MVP voting. I think he's just that damn good. And I think I, I expect Boston to have a good season. To, I have them as the two seed, but perhaps they'll be the three seed. Um, and with Jason Tatum playing out of his mind, I think he's going to be a top five MVP candidate. So I have him at four. Number three, um, number three, I have a gentleman whose eyebrows connect 
Anthony Davis. Mm. Um, I think, you know, Lakers are going to have a monster year. Like you said, he's going to have one of the best title hangovers ever. I think he's, I think all the, all the expectations are now lifted and he's just going to go hoop. And I think it's going to greatly benefit him and the Lakers. And I think they're going to win. So I think he will be third. What about you? Number three, I got Damian Lillard. Uh, I think he's going to put as good of numbers up as last year, but the wins are actually going to be there. So it's going to be legitimate. Um, Dame could honestly, if the Blazers are as good as they are, I think this is the year Dame has a chance to win the award. I truly believe that. Um, I've never said Damian Lillard's had a chance to win this award. So I'm going to go on record. He actually has a decent chance to win this award with the team they have. Interesting. I do not have Lillard in the top five because I don't, I mean, I don't, I think Portland will make the playoffs or I think they'll at least make a play yep. in, at least make a play in, but I don't think they're going to be top five. And so we'll see. I don't think they're going to be top four at the very least. It's hard to do win you, MVP when you're not top four. Correct. Do you think Dame could ever win in the MVP award? Do you I think, think he's, he's that player? I think he's that player. I just think he's also playing among you know, a, a good handful of other guys that are also that player. And I think, right. I think it ultimately comes down to Portland as a team, right? Like you, if Portland is the number two seed, Dame could easily win it. I just don't think Portland is going to be the number two seed or the three seed or the four seed. So okay. we'll see. So Who's at number, number two, number two, uh, I have a gentleman by the name of Luca Doncic, man. Mm, I think, I think I knew Dallas, he was like going to be high for you. Like I said earlier, I think they're going to be a top three seed. Um, I love the addition of Richardson. I think that's going to help them a lot. A lot. I think they need that more than they needed Seth Curry. So I really think that's going to help them. They're just going to be tough to deal with, man. They're going to score a lot of points. And I think they'll be at least a little bit better defensively. So Luca, for me, I think he's going to have a monster season. He, it's kind of like his year, right? He hit that big shot in the playoffs. So it's time. So Luca, number two, what about you? Number two, I'm going Giannis. Um, I think he's going to be right there in the hunt. People are going to vote for him for number one very easily. Uh, But, yeah, I think the fatigue's going to come in. I don't want him to win three in a row because I don't think he necessarily deserved both of these awards. Uh, But I'm okay with him winning the awards. I want to go on record and say I've legitimately picked the last four or five MVPs straight. Really? Okay. So knock on wood. Knock on wood. I thought you were going to give us your number one, and I wanted to guess it because I think I know it. Okay. I think I think you picked, and I'm surprised. If I'm right, then I'm surprised. But I think you picked Anthony Davis. Fuck yes, and I am scared shitless because leaving LeBron James out of my top six is asinine. For most would say, most would say, ridiculous. Okay. And I, I haven't left him out of my top five, like, ever. I've never said he's going to decline. I've never gone on record and thrown out crazy LeBron hot takes. I don't do that. Like, I will never dealt LeBron. I think he's going to put up MVP numbers. I really do. I really do. He's going to get first place votes, maybe. But the number that is going to come down to for LeBron James and where he lands on this list is games played. I think the Lakers got deeper. I think LeBron got his title in L.A. last year. I don't think. I know that for a fact he got his title in L.A. last year. And I know, I know he knows damn well how good Anthony Davis is. And he's going to say, youngin', this is your team, kind of like he did in the playoffs. 
LeBron was pass first. He's been more pass first than ever before. He, it was Anthony Davis's team. It was, it was, but LeBron was still, I mean, LeBron, the best player, but Anthony Davis being, I think he was just as valuable as LeBron uh, being is so good defensively. Uh, that team, that team is so good there. I mean, it's an all time team. And I just think Anthony Davis is going to be healthy all year. I think he's coming off that win that he's on top of the world and he goes, gets it. I think he has his KG Tim Duncan here, Dirk. Well, that is interesting. <laughs> it's good reasoning. I mean, it makes sense, right? Shortened season, shortened off season, less recovery. Um, they kind of structure the team with all the scoring in a way so that they can probably win a lot of games without LeBron James. So maybe you're right. Um, I picked LeBron James as, as my MVP winner. Damn! We went the complete opposite. I love it. I think he's going to put up the, the stats. I mean, there's no question he's going to put up the stats. I think the narrative is going to be LeBron got his title, and wow, there's no hangover. Look at this team. They're still rolling. That's because of LeBron. They're going to give it to LeBron. You know how pissed off LeBron was that he didn't win it last season. And obviously, you know, media has a bias towards Los Angeles. He didn't so. deserve it last year. He didn't. I'm not saying he did, but I'm saying he was pissed off that he didn't get it. And people like Ramona Shelburne agreed with him. So that's all I'm saying. So I think that that sentiment kind of will take over a little bit. And, uh, you know, the only thing that will stop LeBron James, I'll say this, the only thing that's going to stop LeBron from winning the MVP is if he sits, like you're saying. If, he's, yeah. if he chills and sits games, I mean, literally DNP, you know, sore right calf or whatever the hell it is. If, if he does that, okay, he might not win. Um, but it, that's the only thing that's going to stop him from winning. So. I think locking in long-term, I think it just makes sense that he does this. Will it surprise me if he wins? No, it won't. It absolutely will not. The reason why I don't think it's really, it's really hard for these two to win is because they split votes, and that's why neither one of them were going to win last year. I just think LeBron's going to make it all about AD, and it's going to be fun. Last question for you. Um, any outside guys that – um, you want to mention that could make a run at this thing or finish pretty high up that we didn't mention. Yeah, I didn't mention James Harden, if you noticed that. Um, where where got, would you guess he finishes? Well, it really depends on, where, on what team he finishes on. If he, so if, he goes to Phil- if he goes to Philadelphia, I don't think he's going to be in the running at all unless he gets traded like this week. Um, if, he, if he's like a mid-season deadline trade to Philadelphia, no, no way, I don't think. If he stays in Houston, he's got – I mean, if he stays in Houston – now, I think Houston's going to have success by Harden playing less MVP ball and more people getting involved. So if he stays in Houston and they win, you would think he's in line for MVP, but I think his numbers will be down a bit, but maybe that helps him. I don't know. Harden, Embiid, um, if Philadelphia does well, Embiid, Kevin Durant, if Brooklyn's a top three seed and KD's back, you could definitely see Kevin Durant. So ton of options. Yep. Real quickly, I'm going to go. Embiid and KD, it's all going to come down to games played. Um, And lastly, Nikola Jokic and Pascal Siakam could both crack the top five depending on team record. It all depends on team record because their stats won't be there. Right. It depends on Jokic. For Jokic, it depends on team record. I think the Nuggets could kind of sink maybe to like five, four or five. So if they're like the five seed, maybe not. But... Those are the picks. The season starts on Tuesday, December the 22nd. So we'll see how it unfolds. Until then, 
rate, subscribe, tell your mama. Bang, bang. <laughs>